You've landed on the Lonely Diplomat podcast, and wherever you are in the world, welcome. I'm Phil McAuliffe, I'm the Lonely Diplomat, and it's good to be back. Uh, in case you need a reminder, uh, I have a website, thelonelydiplomat.com, where I provide content that serves, challenges, supports, and inspires diplomats and those who live the diplomatic life to, well, be diplomats and live their diplomatic life. And I think that's the key, to live their diplomatic life, to live your life. So on that website, you'll find a blog, podcast, and uh, details of how you can get me in your corner as you live your diplomatic life. More on that later. I wanted to say, hi, it's good to be back. This is episode 50, and it's been quite a while between episodes. And this is, I really want to check in with you and let you know what's going on. And I would really love to have, you know, a chat with you and to find out, you know, what's been going on for you since the last episode of uh, the Lonely Diplomat podcast went to air in February 2022. So it's now September um, 2022. I forget what year it is. And a lot has happened between episode 49 and episode 50. And that's why I want to sort of talk to you in this episode about what's, what's been happening and I've really struggled, and I'm I'm kind of struggling right now, if truth be told, in in how to start this this episode, and and that problem kind of started for me in how to name this episode, and I've simply called it "I'm back," um, and it's not to be kind of read as the um, as the horror movie kind of "I'm back" kind of thing. It's simply "I'm back," and there were other names that I thought, oh, you know, what's going to grab attention? What's going to uh, have the audience press play and intrigue them enough? And every single name that I came up with for this episode sounded like work. It was, you know, may as well have been saying, you know, the view from the top or, you know, different perspectives or, you know, those kind of introductory remarks that you know, we we call, you know, someone who's providing news from the capital about what's going on at home. And I just, oh, I, I, that was so, um, uh, I was so like, had this, this, this visceral response to that. I just do not want any more bureaucratic language in my life. And I'm going to do you the favor of not doing that either. So, you know, this could be, you know, the, 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 the view or, you know, what's going on or news from home or whatever it is. But I hope that you're grateful <laughs> that I spared you that. And I'm speaking to you like a regular human. So I'm simply, I'm back. I'm back. And it is really good to be here. I've missed being here. I've missed having these kind of conversations. And these are rather like intimate conversations between you and me. It's interesting. Podcasts are rarely something that we listen to in a group. We don't gather around and listen to a podcast as if we were listening to, you know, um, a soap opera on the radio in the 1940s. We don't do that. At most, we listen to it while we're in the car and there's, you know, one or two other people listening. 
But generally, it's something that you and I, it's a space that you and I directly share. I might be speaking directly to you. You're wearing headphones. And wherever you are in the world, you're doing your thing. And, you know, it's just lovely to have this conversation with you as you go about your day. One of the things that has that I wanted to bring up, there's a few things that I wanted to talk about and just to, to, to let you know what was going on. Um, one is that kind of bringing it back to that phobia of bureaucratic language. And it's a commitment that I want to make to myself as much as it is to you. But I've left. I've left the bureaucracy. I have left my employer, my employer of 23 and a half years. <clears throat> and I left a few few months ago. Uh, well, a few months ago, but a few weeks ago, officially. And this was not an easy decision to reach. There is safety and security, certainly financial security, in that kind of, in that government work. But I'm going to be really, well, I'm going to be honest with you because I'm sick of not being me. And that was the major catalyst for me leaving the bureaucracy, leaving that job. Because I found myself resenting the restrictions that were put on me. And they were gentle. They were gentle restrictions, but they were restrictions nonetheless. They stopped me from showing up in the world. And so, interestingly, all of my content, all of my content, um, which now 50 podcasts and over 50 blog posts that I have produced over the last four years, produced and published over the last four years, has been done in an environment where in the back of my mind, I have had to be careful in what I say, how I say it, lest it reflect poorly on my employing agency. So for a few years there, for the first few years, I was on leave without pay to accompany my then spouse on her diplomatic posting in Wellington. And I had to be careful, uh, or not careful, but like mindful of what I said and how I said it. Because, you know, like how I, what I said and what I did reflected on her with her employer and also potentially reflected on my employer and uh, I could get into trouble. Then I returned with my partner, the wonderful, beautiful, amazing Jeff from New Zealand in January 2021. And in February 2021, I had to go back to paid employment um, with my employer. And all of the content was reviewed. And probably the only person, the only person beyond my mum who read and listened to every blog post and podcast was someone in, the, in, in my employing agency who had to check that what I was saying and continue to say on social media and in the blog and in the podcast was actually going to be okay. Now, it's never been about... The work here at The Lonely Diplomat has never been about blowing the whistle or, you know, wanting to shame or embarrass our employers. There's plenty to, you know, be, be embarrassed about and there's, there's vast improvements 
that need to happen in our employing agencies. And I feel that those in our employing agencies would be the first to agree. The work here at The Lonely Diplomat has always been about you, supporting you, challenging you, serving you, and inspiring you to be more you as you live your diplomatic life. Be you the posted diplomat or be you an accompanying significant other. It's always been about you and help wanting to wanting you to be you, supporting you and just wanting to lift you up to remind you of your awesome, beautiful humanity as you go about doing extraordinary things as your job. But one of the things that I, I, I began to notice over the past few months in my work is that I was beginning to not only resent the looking over, like the feeling that I was, you know, having to to censor myself. I was resenting having to do that. But it was one of those things as well. And those of you who may have been following along um, for a few years now, you've been tracking my journey. My journey. I don't like that word, but I say it so often. You've been tracking how I've been living my life. When I started this back in August 2018, I was married, an accompanying significant other, living in New Zealand. And over that time, I, just like I say that you need to do here at The Loneliness Guy and helping you to do that, I've been unpacking and, and meeting parts of myself that I have been really far too afraid to meet and to get to know and love And at once, that was the source of my loneliness. That's why I became the Lonely Diplomat, because I was starting that process. And I recognized that I I was not alone. I also recognized that we were terrible as a diplomatic community at recognizing our humanity. We were so consumed by getting, by, by the job and doing awesomely at the job that, you know, we forget that we're humans. And I was on this, 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 I'm trying to avoid the word journey. I was on this, this quest. That's even more terrible. But I was on this experience of life and learning who I was and allowing myself to become who I was. Part of that, if you've been following along, has been reckoning with my sexuality and coming out as gay. That has then involved an awesome relationship ending. And that has involved me moving out of the family home. Evolved me, frankly, being ejected. Among Us style, if you remember that that game during during COVID. But ejected from the safety of the diplomatic community. Ejected into homelessness. That was not necessarily a great experience. That's diplomatic understatement right there. That was terrible. That was a horrible experience. And while it didn't immediately start with homelessness, but it ended that way. And so to stay in New Zealand, I needed to move out into a very expensive hovel. Um, And it was... 
you know, the, 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 the lease ended, but borders were closed. Australia's border was closed. New Zealand's borders were closed. And so the lease ended and I needed to stay in Australia, in, in New Zealand, but we had nowhere to live. And for those of you who have been around a while, you would have noticed that my blog went behind a paywall. There's nothing that, you know, like homelessness forces one to do things that someone doesn't want to do. It forced me to do things that I didn't want to do. But I can't live on goodwill and knowing that I'm helping someone through writing a blog. I needed, needed to put food on the table, needed to put food in bellies, needed to keep a roof over our heads. And I'm so very grateful for the lessons learned during those few months where we were surviving on the good graces of some of Jeff's friends. I learned the value of friendship. I learned how hard it can be when life doesn't go according to plan, when you're living your diplomatic life and you're far away from home. And how we have to, how I had to swallow my pride to then get the help and ask for help. And then deal with the disappointment of not receiving, not being given help. Essentially being given thoughts and prayers. I didn't need thoughts and prayers. I needed somewhere to live. And so the continual evolution, that's the word, not this journey stuff. Evolution, the, continu- the evolution of Phil continues. And then we moved to Canberra. The family returned to Canberra a few months later and we've been building our life here, evolving as a family. And it's been awesome. It's been awesome. We're making our house where, you know, Jeff got a great job as in, in his field and he's settling into Canberra. The boys have made some great friends at their school and, you know, settling back into life as Australians in Australia, a foreign place for them. And then I noticed that over time, I was caring less and less. I was called less and less to my job. I was feeling essentially lonely again. And I was compelled to make a decision because lingering at these crossroads between staying or leaving that job and leaping into the uncertainty of what I'm now living And I made the decision. I made the decision to leap. And it was scary and terrifying. And there's generally not a day where I go, oh, what have I done? But then that's quickly replaced with, I'm really proud of myself. I know how I want to put myself into the world. I know how I want to show up in the world and be of service. And that can be done far better in my view, for me, outside of the restrictions, the constraints perhaps, of public service. But I can put my skills, my insight, my lived experience in service of others, in service of you here at The Lonely Diplomat. It might sound awesome and, you know, but it, it, it's, it's at once terrifying and exciting. So the word that I use a lot is exhilarating. 
And that's kind of how I want to live life. I want to feel like I'm living it rather than existing and waiting for something to happen to me or waiting for retirement until I try something new. So that's part of what's been going on with me. The continual evolution of me. And it feels to me for now that that feels like it. But I don't know, like, I can't, like, it, it certainly is not it. I will continue to grow and evolve because I'm allowing myself to grow and evolve. So that's a question I want to ask you at this point. Is are you allowing yourself to grow and evolve? And if you're not allowing yourself to grow and evolve... What are you doing? The, the growth and evolution happens whether you want it to or not. It's kind of like being a caterpillar in a cocoon wrestling against the process of, uh, it's metamorphosis, isn't it? Of turning into a butterfly. The metamorphosizing of the caterpillar into a butterfly. And you can fight against it. And God knows, God, I tried to fight against it so often. For so long. But I've chosen to accept it and surrender it. And it's exhilarating. <laughs> it's exhilarating. And, you know, that's kind of how I know that I'm living. Merely beyond surviving. And getting through the day and living for the evenings or living for the weekend. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to live as me. So here I am. Part of that I mentioned before is, you know, in the, the, the showing up for you here at The Lonely Diplomat and putting my skills and experience, my insight of being me, being in, being living the diplomatic life for over half my life. No, 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 I'm just doing maths. It's not over half my life, but almost half my life. And it's how do I, you know, show up and, and serve others? And over the past few weeks, I, um, last year, I uh, became a member of Ending Loneliness Together, which is a, an umbrella charity here in Australia run by the ever-awesome Dr. Michelle Lim. Uh, and hi, Michelle, if you're listening. And Michelle um, runs Ending Loneliness Together and she is as determined as I am to, well, end loneliness. I'm here to destigmatize loneliness. I'm here to say loneliness as often as possible because when we're experiencing loneliness, like it's a horrible experience, and, but we can deny it. We can hide it. We can deny it from ourselves and try and hide it from ourselves. But it's a reality. And so I, I joined um, as, as a member and then there was a, a, an advertisement for, uh, to become a, uh, a part of the lived experience advisory panel and the first time that they'd run that. I applied, I got in and me and five other awesome people from different fields and different walks of life in Australia who, who recognised that they're lonely and are also supporting their communities, be that the trans community, migrant communities, and indigenous communities, particularly indigenous elders. It's a beautiful thing. 
And I find myself sitting, you know, in, in, in video conferences on Zoom calls with them and I'm just going, oh my God, these people are amazing. And part of that is, uh, has been um, with Michelle's encouragement, um, appear, like starting to, be, starting to share my story with the world beyond the lonely diplomat and beyond the loneliness guy, my other site. And that has involved um, being interviewed as a loneliness expert, no less, uh, as part of a panel with Michelle and uh, someone from the World Health Organization in Geneva, interviewed for um, a radio program on Sunday mornings on ABC Radio National here in Australia. And this was a few weeks ago. And I'm not going to say that I was cool, calm, and collected. I was terrified. <laughs> um, and it was amazing to speak on radio live, not a podcast, <laughs> where I could edit out anything that, 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 that made me uncomfortable. Um, and there was something there that I said. And that particularly resonated um, with the ABC. And that was, I come out all the time. I come out as gay all the time. I also come out as lonely in a pretty big major way. And coming out, be it gay or lonely or anything that makes you uncomfortable and owning it, is always such a beautiful act of courage. But interestingly, I receive a better response, a more supportive response for coming out as, as gay than lonely. People know what to say when I come out to them. Yay you. Living your life. Like, be you. Like, yes, congratulations. But when, you know, loneliness often gets met with pity. Oh, poor you. Oh, oh, I don't want your pity. I want to start the conversation. I want to be part of the conversation. I want to know that other people don't feel alone in their loneliness. We all feel lonely from time to time. It's a human emotion. We all feel happy. We all feel joy. We all feel grief. We all feel lonely. Not having the conversation doesn't make loneliness go away. It just makes it hold, its hold over us stronger. It makes its hold over you stronger. So I'm here to have that conversation. And it's great to be part of that conversation through ending loneliness together. And there's a couple of things that I want to share here with you. In, preparating, in, preparating, in preparation for, in preparing for the radio interview, I was speaking with the producer of Sunday Extra. Uh, and she and I had a great conversation. But her first question to me was, oh, I see you, you know, you work on The Lonely Diplomat. And, you know, surely diplomats can't be lonely. They've got a perfect job. And I get this question all the time. I get it all the time. Surely, surely all those cocktail parties, all those, you know, the swanning around um, and, you know, chortling and, and, and you know, having a la-di-da time, you know, that, how can you be lonely? It's a perfect job. You get to travel the world, all that kind of stuff. Now I just sort of chuckle and resist the temptation to school them. <laughs> uh, however, what I do is say to them, please tell me what job makes you immune to the human experience? What job makes you immune to feeling lonely? And if it's a psychologist or a mental health professional that I'm talking to who says that to me, I say, you know, as a psychologist, you know about the human condition. 
Does that make you immune to it too? Physician, heal thyself. Of course not. So I'm here to say that you are human. I recognize that you being in diplomacy, you don't have a voice. And I don't want to say that I'm the voice of diplomacy, not at all. However, I want to be here, I am here to remind you that you're human. You do a great job. You do amazing things in lots of dangerous places around the world and you make it look easy, but you're still human. And I'm here to support you in being human. I'm here to support you and other humans in being human by having that conversation about loneliness that we really struggle to talk about. And the second thing that that producer said when I politely explained to them that being a diplomat does not make you immune to the human condition, they said to me that their friend is a diplomat. And in all their years of knowing their friend and, and having a friendship, they've never known what their diplomat friend really thinks. And that to me, she, she's, you know, the, the, the producer said, wow, that's actually a realization that I've just known now. And that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me. And indeed, there's content on, my, um, on the blog about on being on and how we're always on and we never show, we never tell people what we're thinking unless we know that it's really safe to do so. That's not normal. Completely understandable in the context of diplomacy, but that's not normal. People connect in that way and we're simply not allowing ourselves to connect in that way out of fear that, and, and often well-founded well, well fear, that that's somehow going to be interpreted as government policy or used against you. But that's not like people relate when they talk about stuff that diplomats really do not do. And so you can go through life never really connecting with people. And that is a sure way to feeling lonely. It's a sure way to disconnection. But both those questions were reminders about what I do here, why I do it. Dispelling myths about loneliness in general. Dispelling myths about what it's like to actually be a diplomat, in my experience. But I also want to say this. Part of being the, on the lived experience advisory panel for Ending Loneliness Together has given me the opportunity, well, I was asked to present my loneliness experience, my lived experience of loneliness, to the launch of a white paper, which if you're not familiar with the concept of a white paper, it's a... Um, policy statement backed by evidence presented to government uh, as a way of, of making change. And in this way, it was uh, to the, um, uh, at the launch of the white paper hosted by the parliamentary friends of Ending Loneliness Together. And it was held at Parliament House in Canberra here. And I went along to speak. And, because I was asked to. Um, and 
also speaking were eminent academics here in Australia researching loneliness. Also speaking was Dr. Vivek Murthy, the US Surgeon General. Also speaking was Dr. Etienne Krug from the World Health Organization about how loneliness is deeply affecting humans everywhere, all around the world. And it was highlighted, it's been highlighted by the pandemic. And I was the last speaker. And there were, you know, deeply impressive people speaking and sharing their wisdom. And so I got up and I'm not going to say that I was calm. I was very nervous, but halfway through it, I had this realization that this is really tough for me to talk about. My loneliness is really tough for me to talk about. And it was a very poignant reminder, very public reminder that loneliness is really hard to deal with. But I shared it. I continued on. And this is not a proud boast, but my story made people cry. Made academics, public policy leaders in Australia cry. My call to action in that, at the end of it, after sharing my part of my story, was that we need to stop talking about loneliness as a concept. We need to stop talking about mental health and mental well-being, emotional health, emotional well-being, social health, social well-being in the third person. Because the concepts are safe. Uh, the concepts are hard when, we're, like when, when they're inside us. They're really hard. But loneliness is not a concept that's felt outside of us. Loneliness is, a, is an emotion felt within. and It's deeply uncomfortable. But we don't get to advance. We don't get to let others know that they're not alone in feeling lonely. Including lonely when living the diplomatic life. Simply by saying things in the third person. Talking about loneliness as something out there. Taking it out of ourselves and looking at it and talking about it in the third person. Humans connect through stories. And it is always a privilege to hear someone's story of loneliness. Because that story is at once beautiful. And great things happen when we acknowledge what is within. Because all loneliness is trying to do, all your loneliness is trying to do, as my loneliness is, is, is trying to get my attention when I'm experiencing loneliness, is to alert me to the fact that I do not have the type of connection that I need. And I need to work out what kind of connection that I need and then go and get it. So that was my call to action, was that we need to bring the conversation about loneliness, about social and emotional well-being and health into the first person. And I'm totally here for that conversation. I'm totally here for that conversation here at The Lonely Diplomat, The Loneliness Guy. I'm totally here for that conversation as Phil McAuliffe. I'm here as a global loneliness thought leader to help Others help myself, help you understand what loneliness is and to strip away all the stories that we tell ourselves about what our loneliness means, about being a failed human. Take out failed and say human. And to then help us all develop the language to ask for help and then receive the help 
no matter what we do for a job, no matter what we do, where we are in the world. So there's been a bit going on over the past few months. And there was something in me that I didn't want to show up here on this episode of the podcast, essentially faking it. I didn't want to fake it. And, you know, pretending that everything was okay. It wasn't okay. It's very deeply uncomfortable and it continues to be deeply uncomfortable, but I'm here. I am here. I am here. So, part of what what that means about being here and in wrapping up this, I'm here for you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to serve you, challenge you, inspire you as you live your diplomatic life. And I think bugger diplomatic life, as you live your life, diplomatic or otherwise, because we can hide behind the fact that we're living a diplomatic life. You hide behind the fact that you live a diplomatic life as a way of stopping you getting the help that you need and deserve. I'm familiar with that. I'm really familiar with that. When presented with the opportunity for the help that I eventually took, one of the justifications that I used to say, no, I can't do that or I need to be really careful, is that I work for the government and I need to be really careful. I'm here to tell you right now, I don't care what you do. I don't care who you do it for. I don't care where you do it. I simply do not care. I care about you. And it feels to me that the world needs human diplomats right now. It needs people who recognize each other's humanity. It needs people who work in diplomacy, who are delightfully and deliciously human. Not pretending to have everything sorted, to, have the, to say the right things at the right time to the right people. None, none of that. I'm here for you. I'm here for you if you are the poster diplomat, for I've been the poster diplomat too. I'm here for you if you have been, or if you are, the diplomatic significant other. Because I've been the diplomatic significant other. I'm here for you if you love what you do, but you're beginning to really not like what it's doing to you and the price that you've been paying. Because I've been in that situation, loving what I do, but resenting it at the same time with equal measure. This love-hate relationship that I had with my job. Loving what I could, what I, what I could do, loving that I got to do it, but resenting that I that I did it because of the cost that it came at. I'm here for you because I have been you. I he- I'm here for you because I am you and I can speak your language. I know exactly, exactly what it's like. But you need a safe space and you don't have to be a therapist to be therapeutic. Simply when I'm hearing stories of loneliness and disconnection and feeling lost, that doesn't need fixing. It needs listening and being responded to from empathy. And that's what I'm here for. That's what I can do for you as part of my services, my mentoring services. And I've announced over the past few weeks a soft announcement, the Diplomatic Life Restarter course. 
And that diplomatic life restart, of course, is the re is in brackets. It's very clever. So if you're at the beginning of your career and you want to start it on a trajectory that you know aligns with who you are, then this is for you. If you're midway through your career and you want to come back in alignment with yourself as you live your diplomatic life, you want to do your job but be you, not maintain the facade of who you've been trying to be and trying to project for a long time. This is for you. It's for you if you are the diplomatic posted officer. It's for you if you're the accompanying significant other. It's for you, frankly, if you want to live your life, be great at what you do and be you. So when you're ready to take a step, I'm right here. And please know that I'm constantly working and making decisions to be in alignment with myself, who I am in that moment. I'm in the trenches, scaling the mountain face, all the, you know, all the metaphors. I'm living my life and I'm here to help and support you through my insight, my wisdom as a global loneliness thought leader. What a title that is. I need to put that on a, you know, it is on my LinkedIn page and it's not one that I've given myself. But when four people say that in a week to me, I need to pay attention to that. So that's what I'm doing, for want of a better term, being a global loneliness thought leader. But you can have me right in your corner, knowing that I'm living my life. Well, that's it for this episode. It's gone far longer. I was kind of thinking that this might be like 15 minutes or so, but no, it's, you know, characteristically, you know, gone the way that things often go with me. I hope that you've got some value and support from that. So I'm here. There's going to be some content coming up over the next little while that um, revisits some of the previous content um, and we'll explore it through the podcast here, um, uh, like, you know, providing a bit more of a, a fresh update a couple of years after it was initially, um, initially produced. And if you've just come off this from listening to episode 49, where I asked about where all the diplomatic disruptors are, well, there's none, <laughs> apparently. Apparently, there's, there's not many, if any, and certainly none that were brought to my attention. So that was listened to almost 700 times and, and no one's responded. So, you know, if I'm creating a space that allows you to be you, then that's, I'm here for that. And if I'm doing that alone, well, then I'm doing that alone. But know that I'm doing it in alignment with who I am. With the, you know, as being me. That's it for this episode if you've got any feedback for me please send uh let me know um get in contact with me on instagram facebook linkedin um or send me an old-fashioned email um admin at the lonely diplomat.com uh, and if you got something from this episode please like it rate it uh on the um service through which you're now listening or indeed on youtube if you're watching and if you also got something, got some value in that for me, uh, if you got some value from this episode, 
I'd really appreciate it if you could buy me a coffee. Uh, buying me a coffee will be reinvested into the Lonely Diplomat and help me continue to do this work. Might even be used to upgrade the uh, the facilities here so I can actually make good videos um, uh, on YouTube rather than what feels to me to be the high school media project um, that, uh, that it currently is. But that does sound like you're getting ready to go. I really do deeply appreciate you being here for this episode and hanging around. Thank you so much for being here. Until next time, be awesomely and humanly you. Please be humanly you, because the world really does need more you. All sounds used are freeware in the public domain. All views expressed in this episode are my own and do not reflect any official position. I am not a licensed mental health professional. I encourage you to seek the services of a licensed mental health professional if the content of this episode challenged you beyond your current capacity to mentally, emotionally, and or physically respond yourself. Thanks for listening.